go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, we're continuing in the book of Matthew. I want to introduce you to two uh, friends of mine here. This is for. This is Fabrice Morvan and Rob Pilatus, otherwise known as Millie Vanilli. That one's that one's Millie. No, wait, that that one's Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Okay, one of them's Millie and one of them's Vanilli. I don't know which one, but they sold 30 million singles and 11 million albums. Millie Vanilli did, right? But in 1990, they were busted. On the album, well, on all their albums, but on the the Grammy award-winning album, Girl, You Know It's True, it was discovered that it was not true. They didn't sing a lick on the album. There were two other singers. So I had to, or those who had the album had to get rid of their album, uh, because I would never have anything like that. Um, But uh, they were busted, because they were lip-syncing the entire time. So when they were singing, Girl, You Know It's True, Ooh, 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 I love you, which is just deep, deep lyrics. Uh, It wasn't really them singing. When they said, together we are one, separated we are two. Remember that part of the song? (laughs) Separated we are two. Yeah, that was good. It wasn't really them. It was somebody else. And so all of the, 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 uh, that industry, all of the music industry was in an uproar. How could you possibly link, lip sync? This is an outrage. I felt the entire album was an outrage, but that's my own personal opinion. I was into uh, Ronnie James Dio at the time. Okay. Uh, in 2004, Ashley Simpson was on Saturday Night Live, and when she went to give her second performance, her second song, the first song started along with her vocal track that, was, that she lip-sank to the first time, and she was discovered. An outrage. Even though it was her own voice, people don't want to be fooled like that. As a matter of fact, somebody wrote on her website, a fan, Carly, wrote this, I'm throwing out your CD and deleting you from my computer, ex-fan Carly wrote on Simpson's website. Do you think we are stupid? I don't know if it was a rhetorical question or (laughs) what the deal was. But then she goes on and says, I never felt this strongly about something. Now, it's supposed to be, I've never felt this strongly, but she was so upset, she made the grammatical error. She's never felt this strongly. How could you do this to us, Ashley Simpson? In 2007, Britney Spears made a comeback comeback tour. At the House of Blues, and she was charging $500 a ticket, and uh, she was lip-syncing to all her songs, apparently not very well, uh, because she was discovered. The opening ceremony of the Beijing Olympics had a little seven-year-old girl who sang an awesome song. Her name was Lin Miyoki. She was lip-syncing to another girl who Chinese officials deemed not cute enough for television. Okay? I know. It's shocking. Lip syncing is terrible. I felt I personally wrote to China myself uh, with my outrage. I've never felt so strongly about something uh, as that. 
Jennifer Hudson sang the national anthem at the, at the uh, Super Bowl this year, lip sank it, and Faith Hill sang America the Beautiful, lip sank it. And that was their own voice, okay? And you can make all the arguments you want about, you know, the, the, the acoustics in the stadium are hard to hear, whatever, that's fine, that's fine, doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, people get upset when they find out that you've been lip syncing the whole time. People get upset when they find out that you're a fake, a fraud, that you're, you're pretending to be someone you're not. And this is exactly where Jesus is right now in his ministry. As some Pharisees come up to him and start talking to him about religion, and the whole time they're just lip syncing. Let's take a look at it. It's in Matthew chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 9. If you want to take out your Bible and read along, or you can read along uh, up there. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do you disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. (laughs) Why don't we follow that anymore? That would be awesome. Uh, But, sorry... I'll switch the, got sidetracked there. But you say that if a man says to his father and mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. You lip sinkers. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So here's what happened. Jesus is, is, is at getting to the height of his ministry. The crowd, he had fed the 5,000. We're going to read that he's about ready to feed the 4,000. After that, the crowds, by, remember not last week, but a few weeks ago when I was preaching. By the way, was Bishop Thomas awesome last week? Ha. <laughs> ah. If you missed last week, please, please, please download that sermon from our website and listen to it. It was fantastic. And we are honored to have such a man of God uh, in authority kind of over us. The way our denomination works is there's bishops. They don't have pointy hats or scepters, uh, but they're just uh, uh, responsible for three different sections of the United States. And uh, Bishop Matt Thomas was speaking last week, and it was awesome. So uh, Jesus was at the height of his, his, his ministry. They wanted to take him by force and make him king. Because why? He was healing their diseases. He was giving them food. I mean, this would, this would be the kind of king you want. I mean, that's some kind of stimulus package, isn't it? You get healed. You get, you get food. Okay. I'm just going to stop right there. That's fun stuff. Right? They come up to Jesus and they confront him. Now, here's, I mean, think about this. This is the Son of God. God as man. And they're going to come up to him and tell him how to do religion. Their way. Let me give you an idea of what we're talking about. This is uh, Jerusalem down there where that little, my little Pharisee guy is. And Jesus is way up by Capernaum there. So this little trip they take is about 85 miles. Okay. So they travel 85 miles 
in order to ask Jesus this question. Now, most likely they were asking him other questions and trying to trap him. But, but the whole point is they traveled 85 miles to get this point across. And Jesus confronts them with the emptiness of their worship. That is the, the bottom line of what Jesus was saying. Your worship is empty. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because I can make fun of the Pharisees for traveling 85 miles to have asked Jesus this question. And I don't think a thing about having praise music going on in my car and in my mind being very irate with the individual in front of me on the freeway. I just, oh, one minute I'm praising, the next minute I'm upset. So as I began to study this this week, I began to look at all the different ways in my own life where my worship is empty, where I'm just lip syncing. I'm all dressed real fancy and I got a Grammy Award. I'm the pastor of a church and yet I'm just lip syncing the whole time. It was very convicting. And so what I'm hoping to do this morning is to give us a vision for taking our worship to the next level. I'm not talking about music necessarily. I'm talking about our worship. And so what I want to look at, the very first thing I want us to see is that it's always been about the heart. Always, always, always. God wants your heart and he wants all of it. All of it. Every last little bit. God wants your heart. And see, worship, we're going to start to broaden our idea of what worship is. Worship is not just singing, it's not just giving, it's not, it's, it's what Jesus says, these people honor me. It means to affix a price to. They say, you are worth more to me than anything, Jesus, with our lips, but our hearts don't really follow through with it. We're singing someone else's song. We're reading someone else's words. It's not a part absolutely of who we are. God wants our heart. We've been looking in Matthew. Up to, and we're now up to uh, chapter 15. But all through these chapters, God has been dying for our heart. In Matthew chapter 5, when we went through the Beatitudes, it said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When our heart is pure, when we are totally sold out to him, when we are honoring him, we've, we've given him value above anything else, that's when we see God. And worship is the only thing that really is an end in itself. We don't worship in order to get something. We don't worship in order to achieve something, to arrive somewhere. Worship is why we were created. To worship God. It's why all of creation was created, was to worship God. Why? Because he's worthy. It's worthship is essentially what it is. He has that worth. So you say, well, you know, let me give you an example. This will be a great example, especially in today's economy. Let's say I had a little basket here and I said, hey, we're going to take a special offering this morning. It's very important. It's very, just trust me, I'm not going to tell you what it's for, but here's what, matter of fact, we won't do it this morning. What I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to pray for a week about how much you would give sacrificially, you guys pray about that. So you go home, you pray, you talk to your wife. Ah, you know, I think this. You look at the checkbook. Okay, here's how much I think the Lord's telling us to give. Right, whatever it is. Okay, you're just all fired up. You come back and you give it. Now, okay, this is great. And I stand it. I put it in a big basket here. And I, we count it all up. And it's, it's $17,000. I said, we, we just collected $17,000. It's amazing. 
I just light it on fire and we just watch. Would you be mad? (laughs) Would you? (laughs) That was awesome. Like, yeah, no. You tell me what I would be and then I'll be that. (laughs) Go ahead and finish that little point up and then I'll tell you where I stand on the issue. Right? If I were in, because I spent more time in your position than I have in mine, I'd be ticked. I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? And if and if I were there and the pastor said, didn't you? Did you pray about it? Yeah, but I didn't know you were going to do that. What would the Lord say? It's a trick question, right? Why do we give? Why do we tithe? Right? Why does God say, I want you? I want ten percent of your income? Why? Because He's worthy it brings him glory okay we've been talking about going to two services the point of us going to two services is to bring more people into the kingdom okay it's so that we don't take up so much room that people can't come to a saving knowledge of jesus christ now why do we want people to come to christ think about this guys okay i've been thinking about this all week why do i want people to come to christ really i had to think about this this week i'm like well you know because then they're like you know They'll be in a relationship with God. This is why they were created. Okay. Why? Well, so that their lives can be better and they can make it to heaven. There we go. Okay, great. Why? Well, because that's what God wants. Why? They can tell others. Why? To glorify Him. It brings God glory when a life is transformed by His Spirit. And this is exactly what Bishop Thomas was talking about last week, about living a grace-soaked life, a life that's so radically changed, that's so, that's so given itself over to God, that when you meet me within 15 minutes, I should be telling you about Jesus. It's just so transforming. So we share our faith. We make room for people. Why? Because the more people that enter the kingdom of heaven, the more glory God gets. It's not an end. Worship is the end. This is a means to an end. People's lives are changed so that there's more people to worship God. They bring God more glory. That's why I'm so passionate about our church being a church that evangelizes. That doesn't just look it to ourselves. It's always about heart. Let me read another verse real quick. For these people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and I would heal them. Is the goal to be healed? No, it's just that we happen to worship a loving God who gives back to us with this relationship. We do benefit, but that's not the point. The point is He's worthy of everything we have. He wants your entire heart, everything. Like Bishop Thomas was saying last week, we should just put that on and listen to it again. It was just such a great sermon. But like he was talking about last week, if you just want your life tweaked, if you just want to like, well, everything's going kind of good, but I just, then go listen to Dr. Phil or Oprah. They'll, they'll give you a little tool to, oh, this, now I feel better. But if you want your life radically transformed, only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. Remember, in, uh, we looked in um, uh, Matthew chapter 5, we were going, uh, chapter 6, and Jesus was saying, hey, if you lust after someone in your heart, 
lust after someone, you've committed adultery in your heart. It's the heart that matters. If you've gotten angry at someone, you've murdered them in your heart. It's always been about your heart. You can have everything on the outside that looks fantastic, but it's only lip syncing unless it really is your heart. Unless it really means something. We talked about the heart when we talked about the soils. Uh, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. We talked about the rocky soil. That was, a, that was a hard heart. We talked about the thorn, uh, the, the soil that had the thorns in it. We talked about how the cares of the world snatched it away, choked it out. It's all about our heart. And then we'll see in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus replied, Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now here's the thing. Only God really knows If you're doing it with all your heart. You say well I know. We can fool ourselves can't we. Sometimes I go oh man. I'm loving the Lord with all my heart. And the Lord's going no you're not. You're still concerned about this. And this and this. And you. This is what you've been doing. Come on. Only God really knows. So you say well. Well what do we do. Well that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's kind of three ways we can take our worship. To the next level. And again, we're not just talking about taking vocal lessons or, 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 or liking the music. That's, that's certainly part of it. I want to talk about three things. The first thing is true worship is obedience. It's obedience. True worship is obedience. You cannot say, I worship God with everything, and you're still holding back some parts of your life that are given over to sin. True worship is obedience. I want to read a little section in Isaiah because uh, when Jesus quotes these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He's quoting out of Isaiah. And and, and the theme of Isaiah really is this idea of worship. It's basically Isaiah going, come on, guys. What are you doing? We have this awesome God who's worth everything and we're not we're not following through completely. What's going on? Here's the word that Isaiah brings To the people, the word of God. Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They've become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. God is sending an indictment down to these people saying, your religion makes me sick to my stomach. I hate it. Now, I love this church because I honestly believe that we are an authentic church. I think the the majority of people here are really, we're really doing our best, (coughs) excuse me, to follow after the heart of God. But I am always the encourager going, we can do better, right? We can always do better. Uh, These people were at at a point in their history where it was just terrible and God was upset. But I think we can learn from the, um, from the Israelites at this time the dangers of just paying lip service to God. Because he goes on and he says this, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. In other words, obey, remove the evil uh, of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Let it have this, this, this sense in your heart, in your gut, 
that we've got to get rid of this sin. We've got to take holiness to a new level. That is worship. We can sing all we want. You can read all you want. But until we begin to really make a sacrifice in our lives, it's not true worship. And it goes on in verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. This is God saying, come on, let's talk about this. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Now, let me ask you another question. Why should we be so concerned about being white as snow? I started thinking about this. Really, like, like what's the most important thing about me being forgiven before God? You know, this is all basic stuff. But when you like, think about it all week long, sometimes like, they sound like bigger points to me than they really are. Because I've just been like going, why? Why Why be forgiven? Why be forgiven of your sin? Well, here's the thing. We have a holy God who cannot be in the presence of sin. So he's got to do something. He provides a cross with Jesus that makes us holy. Why? So that we can approach him. So that we can worship him. The reason we're forgiven is to enter in this relationship with God to worship to bring him glory, to bring him honor. Now, what happens to us? We're forgiven. Our chains are gone. We're set free. Our souls are now in the place they were designed to be in relationship with God. And so when we read a verse like this, we go, yeah, I want to be forgiven. Why? The point is so that we can take our worship to the next level. So there's nothing standing in the way of us entering the throne room and being before our God who's worthy of everything. In Romans chapter 12, you guys know this verse. Therefore, I urge you, I implore you, I'm spurring you on, I'm telling you, in view of God's mercy, because he provided this way, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The number one thing you can do to worship God is to obey. There's a young man I know uh, that um, is always arguing with his father. Okay? Every time his father says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Yeah, but dad, if you, okay, but dad, what I need to, but dad, I didn't get to do that. But dad, but dad. And his loving, patient father, who is a model of uh, godly parenting, says, Stop obey me. I don't want your excuses. I don't want your arguments. I don't want to know how hard your day was. I don't want this father would say this. I don't want to know how much television you haven't watched. I don't obey me. And he's just a man. There's another heavenly father. Hear me, church. You know what I would, you know what I'd like to do right now? If we could just bow our heads, I'd love to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this room. Lord God, that your words would be spoken. That your spirit would be sensed. That you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a heavenly father that is telling you right now, obey. Obey. I don't know what it is, what area he's telling you to do it in. 
But he's saying right now, you want to worship me? You want to grow close to me? Those who are pure in heart, see God, you want to see me? Obey. Obedience. Offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Number two, true worship is humility. It's humility. It's impossible for us to go after our own interests, to go after our own goals, to our own agenda, and worship at the same time. Until those things line up. It says that the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you your agenda. He will give you your goals. He will give you your aspirations. As we saw with Rick today in the small group, God has given you strengths. And you say, for some of you who are saying, well, I don't know if I want to do that. It's not very scriptural. You know, it's a book. It's a, you know, on my strengths. It all lines up with scripture. You're going to find out what your gifts are and they're going to match up with spiritual gifts. And it's just helpful to know what your, what, however you define those gifts are. It helps to know them so that you know, man, this is the way God created me. Most likely, your, path, your spiritual path is going to go along your strengths, the way God has created you. And so, so, so when, we, when we get outside of that and we're looking to our own agenda, that's where we begin to get off base. And God says to humble yourself. Now, God doesn't just hand out humility, church. He doesn't do that. He commands us. He commands me. Humble yourself. Lay it down. You got stuff you want to do? And, you know, this is for, for a pastor. It's so easy to take the church, your, your ministry, and elevate it to spirituality. Like just because I'm a pastor, it's easy for me to say, Lord, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we're going to do that. And, and it all sounds fantastic. If you if I took you out to lunch and I, oh, boy, I, oh, I wish I could do that for a living. And just as easily, it can be filled with pride. It can be filled with my own agenda. It can be filled with all sorts of stuff that the Lord doesn't want. See, even even when you're in a place of spiritual authority, you have to humble yourself and go, Lord, what do you really want? That's why this whole idea with two services, this is not my idea. I've been on my knees. Lord, do you really want us to do this? Can we please wait till September? If you read all the studies, January or September is the time to go to two services. Not March. (laughs) Not March 29th. If I were to write an article, I would be poo-pooed by uh, church leaders, which is a spiritual term, I might add. (laughs) It's not March. Matter of fact, I was telling someone, yeah, we're going to two services. And it was like, in March? (laughs) Whoa. You know? I don't... (laughs) Right? But I have to go, Lord, what what, what do you want? You know, our staff was talking about this at our staff meeting, and I was going, what are you guys scared of? And my staff is way more spiritual than I am. So they're going through different things, little things, this and that and this. And I said, you know what I'm scared of? And I wrote down at the very bottom, failure. (laughs) I'm scared of failure. What's the Lord saying? He's saying, I don't care what you're scared of. Humble yourself. Do it. Maybe the whole reason is just so he can say, see, you don't even know what you're doing. Go back to one service and we'll take over from there. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. It's humility. Listen to this. Guys, don't miss this scripture. Thus says the Lord. Heaven. (laughs) This This is so exciting. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. 
Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? In other words, he's saying, do you know how big I am? Do you have any clue? Heaven, I just kick back in heaven. It's, I take up the whole thing, it's my throne. And you know where I put my feet? Ah, right on the earth. Right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, that's, that's how I relax. It goes on. My hand made all these things. Thus, all these things came into being. That's how big God is. Now, don't miss this, because this is how we humble ourselves. It's by getting into connection with how big God is. It's not going, oh, I'm so small, I'm so tiny. We look and see how big God is, and we are humbled by that. And then he goes on and he says the most amazing statement you could imagine that comes from a God whose who's heaven is his throne and the earth and he kicks back and puts his feet up on the earth this is what he says but to this one i will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit who trembles at my word it's not the one who has it all together it's not the one who's memorized the most scripture it's not the one who knows all the worship songs or has all their doctrine down or could tell you the five tulip points of Calvinism or why Calvinism's wrong and why blah, 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 blah. It's the one who is humble and contrite of spirit. You want to grow close to God? Obey and humble yourself. Of course, you can see where the two (laughs) go hand in hand, don't you? He goes, listen to this one. For this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. You want to be close to God? If, do I want to be close to God? I need to humble myself. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Now, next point, I'm not going to give it to you just yet because I want to make a caveat because you're going to read this and go, that is wrong. Hear me out. Nope, I'm going to give it to you first, and then you're going to have to listen. True worship is feeling. What? Feelings? It's not about feelings. What are you talking about? It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. I need to worship God anyway. That is true to a certain extent. But true worship, when you have ascribed the correct value to God, you will feel something. I guarantee you, you'll feel something. It's all through Scripture. Now again, worship is an end of itself. So we don't worship in order to feel something. And we don't feel something, try to manufacture in order to worship. But when we are worship, what I'm trying to show us today is how do we bring it to the next level? An indication of your worship is what you're feeling. I said, what, what are you talking about that? I've always been told not to worry about my feelings. I would say worry about your feelings as I look through Scripture. And you, you, we'll get it all worked out as we go through. Because some of you are just like ready to throw stuff at me. Brokenness. Brokenness is one of the feelings you're going to feel as you engage in worshiping a holy God. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about getting in touch with our sin. Right? Sometimes we're Christians for so long... 
after years and years and years, we kind of get to the point where we're like, you know what? I kind of deserve Jesus dying on the cross the way my life is now. Maybe we don't go that far. Maybe we just forget that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are at our core sinners. And for some reason, God, being so full of mercy, provided his son to die on the cross to to take that away. So brokenness will be one of the things we feel when we worship. That's why it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember we talked about that? The beggar in spirit. The word picture there, we've talked about this before, is a beggar who's on his knees, who will not look up and just hold out his hand. Please, if I could just get a little something. When we worship, we're going to feel that brokenness sometimes. Psalm 51.17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Psalm 38.18, I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. That is a sign of true worship to go, God, why did I do that? Brokenness, it's it's a sign of worship. Another feeling you're going to feel is longing and desire. You are going to long to be with God. You're going to long to be in his house. You're going to long to please him. You're going to desire to have more of him. He said, well, I don't feel that right now. I don't feel a longing. Go before him and just tell him, God, I, I, want, I want to feel that. I want to feel like, Imagine, you know, because you have to understand my background. I came from the whole your emotions are bad, that you, you, you worship God out of a sense of duty, you learn all that you can, and you don't. But imagine any relationship without emotion. I mean, imagine I come home from work, and Lisa says, you know, I see her and I say, hello, it's good to see you. How was your day? Fantastic. She says, oh, guess what happened? What happened? Okay. I know you love me. I love you too. I'm so happy that we're in. I'm not really happy because that's an emotion. So I'm just, right? She'd file for divorce. Well, she wouldn't because she's a godly woman, but uh, she would, she would deal patiently with me. (laughs) What, what, What kind of relationship is that? What kind of relationship? Listen, listen to me very carefully, please. If you don't long for God and you don't desire him, you don't know how valuable he is. You don't understand how valuable he is. (laughs) That's the root of it. See, when we understand how valuable something is, if I stood up here and I said, hey, guess what? I got tickets to the Super Bowl. First hand up gets them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I want them. Because we understand how valuable they are. We desire them. We long for them. Even if we don't like football, we know we can sell them, right, on eBay? Okay? So there's a little something in there for us. If I don't desire God, when I, when I say, man, Lord, I don't... He said, you don't know how valuable I am. You have no idea. So what do we do? We go to his word, which by just as a cheating thing is the way to get into all these emotions. We understand our brokenness. Where? Through the word. We understand how valuable he is. And we understand this longing and desire through the word. 
As a deer pants for water. I was going to have Kevin wrote a song out of this uh, scripture and I forgot to tell him to do it. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul, listen to this desire, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? When can I do that? It's so valuable to me. I can't wait till I can just shut everything out and get some time and go, oh, Lord, thank you for meeting with me. That's true worship. There's an emotion of desire, of longing. Psalm 73, 25 says, Who have I in heaven but you? The earth has nothing I desire besides you. There's this longing, this desire. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's all that I need. Longing and desire. Thirdly, awe and fear. Awe and fear. It's not one we talk about too much because it's not, you know, that great uh, topic doesn't make us feel comfortable on fear. But as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house at your holy temple. I will bow in reverence for you. There's this sense of awe, this sense of, of fear of, oh man, I'm going before God. I'm going before the living God. When I pray, I'm approaching his throne. You ever seen those movies where they have the king way back there and the person's walking up, they want, they're going to approach the king and there's all those guards, you know, and it's all freaky and they're very humble and they say, uh, yes, your majesty. And they know if they say the wrong thing, off with his head, you know, they're going to die. Fortunately, we serve a loving God who doesn't say off with his head. But it's that idea like, I'm going before the king, before God. It's amazing. Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. It's one of the feelings we're going to feel. Gratitude, thanksgiving. We all know this one. Uh, Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Isn't that cool? How we see the fear of God. We approach his throne like... Oh, man, this is God. And yet, on the other hand, we can be thankful and enter his courts with praise. It's amazing. Amazing stuff. Joy and hope. Psalm 42, 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And Psalm 32, 11. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you are upright in heart. How do we take our worship to the next level? Number one, obedience. You cannot worship God and disobey him at the same time. Number two, humility. And number two, feeling. How do we, how, how do we make it emotional? We go to his word and we understand who he is. And it just by default. I mean, what I love about Lisa, I mean, the reason why I have emotion is because I understand who she is and what she means to me. And it affects me. How much more with God? 